Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, hello. This is 15 Minute Film Fanatics. You know how this works. Here we are in season five. Very excited. Today we're going to be talking about Rear Window, Hitchcock's 1954 masterpiece. We assume that everybody out there, if you're listening to a film podcast, has seen Rear Window a number of times. And this was one of Mike's picks. So Mike, what made you pick this? Uh, This is my all-time favorite movie. Really? And yes. we've never talked about this before. So This is my all-time favorite movie. That's why I suggested it. There's, um, I have a feeling... There's just some movies where you can find other movies that are as good as it, but not better. And I, Rear Window is in the upper echelon of those movies. Meaning your your favorite movie might be as good, but it's probably not better. You know, and and we've covered a couple of my other favorite movies on this podcast, but this is my all time favorite movie. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I asked my parents for the uh, collector's edition of the Alfred Hitchcock box set which at at the time was like $100. I I wasn't a great movie watcher at the time. I was barely even a movie watcher. I just knew um, that it was there. I saw it, I think, in an FYE or something at the mall. And on my birthday, it appeared. And I opened it up and I took took like an extra slice of ice cream cake or something with me into the basement. And I put on a movie at random in his rear window. And I went into a trance for like two hours and 15 minutes and came out and had melted ice cream cake, didn't know where I was was like was sitting in the dark in the basement didn't even know my own name all i knew was that movie that ha- had happened and that's that's when i got that was the moment that i got the bug it's really great when you find out that something that, and that was the first time you'd seen it right yes so isn't it how great is it when something that everybody says is great really is that great <laughs> it 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 truly it truly is and it you know i don't mean for that it's a transformative moment for me that doesn't mean anything to you know to you or the listeners but I I wouldn't I don't think I would have fallen in love with it unless it was really an all time great film in any language yeah. and a lot of it and a lot of it works uh, visually it's it's not necessarily um it's it's not it's not supported by the beauty of its language although I think a lot of the dialogue is good you could be you could not speak English and watch this movie and you'd get at least 75 80 percent of it because it's it does stuff only movies can do you know it, a couple things struck me this time around first is that I you know you forget that I think this might be Hitchcock's most most human film for lack of a better word is that um you know I think that you know when when Cary Grant rescues Ingrid Bergman at the end of Notorious I find that very moving I think that what happens to Scotty in Vertigo is very moving I think the kiss in Vertigo when she walks out of the bathroom and the green dress that might be my favorite movie kiss of all time but uh, but 
here you you really are caught up in these people as human beings and not just not they're not slick it's not north northwest which is a different kind of thing or the 39 steps or shadow of a doubt but there's such a great human story and i was struck at how long that story goes on for which is totally fine before you get to the raymond burr stuff to set up what you just said i would say that hitchcock sometimes creates interesting people and interesting scenarios and then he observes them closely and this is the movie in which all of that is is stripped away in which we don't necessarily have people that are interesting in and of themselves uh, or they or they are and it's only the quality of close watching that, that reveals them it's a movie that in in some ways indicts the viewer for not finding normal people interesting in movies it's the movie that says we have to come up with this stuff to get you to watch but if we took a block of ordinary people and we watched closely if we watched like a genius uh, you would see the beauty in regular people and, and none of that would be necessary. And the only way that Hitchcock could get us to do that is to say, fine, I'll give you Jimmy Stewart and I'll give you Grace Kelly. Now will you come along for this ride? Because everybody they observe, of course, is a quote unquote normal person. That's that's right. And it's and their love affair, as you said, um, only enters the film uh, at a certain time and drives a certain part of the plot. But it's not necessarily the appeal that it is in, in Vertigo, where you, you come for a, a strange, demented love story. How great is it that not only does the entire movie take place in one room, it takes place in one room with the leading character in one chair, and and you don't even notice it. It's not a trick like in Rope or a, you know a long tracking shot like we all love in other films. But that's so beautiful, and I, and I, it reminded me of there's a great quote by G.K. Chesterton, who I'm sure you've read. And he says, uh, you know, he says, art is limitation. The essence of every picture is the frame. And he says, you know, if you want to draw a giraffe, you better draw the giraffe with a long neck. And if you want to be creative, quote unquote, or artistic, and you draw a giraffe with a short neck, well, then then you haven't drawn a giraffe. So the, the limits constrained upon you as an artist make make you, um, you know, have to flex your muscles. I agree with you. And I think that sometimes art goes awry where the wrong limitations are chosen. I would say that the limitations that arrive from rear window come from the actual act of watching a movie. In in, in other That's words, if you're about. being transported into another world while you just sit in one chair in one room, but anything can appear before you is, is of course a metaphor for movie watching itself. And so right. the limit, the limitations that are suggested uh, in rope are artificial, whereas the, the limitations that are suggested by the premise of rear window are completely natural. Yes, because if you're going to make a film about watching films, then you have to have one person in the dark you know, watching these screens. And how great is that? I mean, it's so funny that, you know, the famous opening where the three blinds go up and it's like showtime and how all that begins. One thing that struck me now is even, it's even more prescient than it was in 54 that, you know, it, you could watch it in the fifties and say, okay, here's every different apartment building is another movie. But now think about how many screens you've already seen today. Like think about your phone and your laptop, the way we're recording this right now on Zoom, um, you know, all, your TV, all of the screens you have around you and that we flip through them just like Jimmy Stewart flips through the different the different apartments. Right. So, you know, that 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 other apartment building, that's his Netflix, that's his Hulu, his Criterion channel. And then he gets sucked in. And for me, it was a beautiful moment when he's watching the Miss Lonely Hearts show, so to speak, and he raises a glass with her. She kind of remember she's making the whole dinner for 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 nobody, and she picks up the and then and then he picks up the glass with her to to show how he's getting sucked in. It's almost like he's binge watching these people. And those moments arise because the the implication is not that he's he hasn't moved into new a new apartment. You know, a lesser movie means uh, you you'd have your your main character move into a new apartment and then and then see these people. It's that he's been too busy. 
And it, in fact, the establishing shot where you get his life is about all the things that he that he has seen. And, and it's cool. And obviously he values the way that he lives. You see the, you know, the car, yeah, the car half crashed, flushed yeah. over. That's that's the best photograph in that in that establishing sequence. But the best part of that um, is that he's been distracted by those spectacles while there's a human spectacle going on. And it's only when he's limited to the chair that he's able to see. Because all art is limits. That's great. Yeah. That, and and by the way, how great is that opening? It's like the opening of Up. You know, no, 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 not a word spoken to to set everything up. And that's a great, great point, Mike. Because if this movie were written today, it would be, uh, here's my new apartment. I wonder who the neighbors are. Oh, that guy over there. You know, that's my bad, Jimmy Stewart. But that's that's exactly what it would be. But he's never noticed it. And of course, that's part of the romance with Grace Kelly is when he's telling her, you know, you want to eat fish heads and and all these kind of things to go around the world. He's never looked out the window before. He's never had to. Yeah, par- I think part of the implication there is that um, he he's never met anyone who would share an adventure with him. And so he's he uh, he assumes that she would be turned off by that that kind of adventure because it doesn't seem uh, to match her idiom. But but then he finds out exactly how far she'll go to the point where, she, you know, she'd be willing to put herself in harm's way to get the truth, which is, of course, that's how he feels about his his own life. And whether or not that's, a, you know, that's a good criteria that that is his. Okay, welcome back for part two. Dan, why don't you kick us off? So my moment is when Jimmy Stewart has the back scratcher. There's two scenes in the movie where he's trying to use the back scratcher. And my moment is when he's trying to reach his toe with it. And you remember this this moment very well, right? So he is an itch that he struggles to scratch. And that reminded me after the movie was over about two different things. It reminded me, first of all, of the murder plot. It keeps it keeps itching him and he just wants to scratch it. And the movie does a beautiful thing where, where you think that Doyle is kind of right. The first time you see this film, because I watched it with somebody who had never seen it before, and there's definitely that gray area in the middle where you think, oh, is it going to be all like, you know, the answer is going to be like something on the love boat. It was a big mistake or something. Um, so the murder plot keeps drawing at him and itching him. But it also reminded me in a bigger way of what Hitchcock does to us, what movies do to us, right? They, they itch us. When we, they tease us and we want to get scratched. We want to get what we want. We want to see the love consumed. We want to see the bad guy caught. We want to see the, the villain identified. We want Hercule Poirot to unmask the killer. And when that happens, you know, the itch is scratched. Because as you know, you know, a good film raises that itch to like an unbearable level, right? And as you know, when you scratch an itch you have, like, how do you feel? It relieved for a second, then it comes yeah. back. Yeah, you feel you feel gratified for a second. You're like, ah, oh, which is what Jimmy Stewart's face does. But then it comes back. So then you want to see another film. So I think it's great that 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 funny little moment of comedy, I watched it. I'm like, that's what movies do to us all the time. They give us an itch. And, and the bad movies are the ones that don't really satisfy. They don't give us a back scratcher. And I think that the beautiful thing about this movie is that that's all right on the surface. You don't need a, a PhD in film studies to understand how this movie is about movie watching. You know, that's not that's that's kind of the table stakes analysis of this movie, not not the deeper analysis. Sure. And so the way that it wears it, those themes um, right on its on its chest, it's it, it, it's kind of like um, it's Hitchcock's Hamlet. You know, it's it's very much. It's very much the things that Hitchcock is known for, but the characters' motivations are so clear that it's it's easy to get into. It's it's extremely approachable, but also of infinite depth. We all get yes. why Hamlet wants revenge, and that gives you a foot into the into the play, but it has infinite depth. And I feel the same way about this one. This one lets you in easy, but you can stay forever. 
Yeah, Hamlet's, Hamlet is, is the greatest probably thing ever written about theatricality and theater and the power of theater, right? The holding a mirror up to nature. And this is Hitchcock's same kind of thing. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest films ever about the power of films. What was your moment? Um, so my moment ties in nicely to that. It's the, it's the sequence where we find out the same way he's finding out uh, what's, what's going on uh, in the apartment across the way, which is he, he falls asleep in the rain and we get the slow reveal of the sales guy going out with his case and coming back and going out and coming back. But we get it in the midst of other moments. Um, as I mentioned about the musician, this is the moment when Jimmy Stewart wakes up and sees the guy stumble home and throw his throw his papers because the, the music is just not there. He's almost there, but he's not there. And he's so frustrated. And that relationship is not working out. Um, and so he sees that kind of tension. He sees the comedy as the couple is rained on, that married couple that sleep on the landing in the summer and they have to go in. He sees Miss Torso come home from a date uh, and and she has to insist, no, you're not coming in. She has to close and and lock the door. And so the the whole human drama is playing out in the rain and they're all brought together by the, by the soundtrack and the light. Uh, while the salesman is coming in and coming out and coming in and coming out. And so it's it's essentially it's essentially the tension in, in all the lives brought to the same brought to the same pitch, right? The beautiful thing is all those stories in tandem share the same arc. So we can experience them in the, in the same way. The artistic exaggeration here is that they should happen on the same arc instead of asynchronously so that somebody's happy while somebody's sad and so, because that that wouldn't it just wouldn't be as good. This this has a, a, a beautiful arc. Again, that's it's easy to get into, but if yeah. it, it's of a profound depth. And then the moment when the musician comes home is the most revealing because uh, Jimmy Stewart is asleep and he's sitting in his chair in front of his screen. And all of a sudden the musician turns the lights on across the way. And so the light is cast across Jimmy Stewart's face, which of course is how you experience a movie. You sit alone in the dark and an, a light from somewhere else comes across your face. And so I, I just... I love the imagery of that. I love how the, the the movie is teaching you how to watch it, even if you're not an experienced moviegoer. And I think that's why I had a, such a strong experience with it the first time that I ever saw it. Yeah, and he's also not only a, a watcher. That's great, Mike. Not only is he a watcher, but he's also you know the standard for for Hitchcock in his director's chair, looking at the world through a camera, and the scene where he's calling uh, Raymond Burr and saying, "Come on, pick it up, pick it up." It's like a it's like a character of a silent movie director saying, "You're afraid, you're afraid, you're afraid he's going to come back in the room," like shooting through through a megaphone or something like a, like the director of King Kong in that great film. All right, great. I'll see you in part three. So welcome back. Here we are in the last segment to talk about the ending or the last few few moments of the film. So we've established, you know, Jimmy Stewart is the viewer. He's also Hitchcock. He's an ethical viewer. There's times when he feels the scene we didn't talk about earlier is when Miss Lonely Hearts, when the guy comes down and he tries to like attack her and she has to, she starts weeping and he's very uneasy about having seen that. He's an ethical viewer. These images float in front of his eyes. My take on the ending that I think is so great about this film is what happens when the movie looks back at you? The chilling moment when Thorwald looks up right at Jimmy Stewart from across the way. He looks right at Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart gets, gets back. And then he comes to his house. And when he comes into Jimmy Stewart's apartment, um, do you remember what he asks him? What do you want? Yeah. He says, what do you want from me? 
And I think if a movie could speak, if art could speak, that's a great thing to ask us. What do you want from me? So it's it's so brilliant because what do you want from me? I think we want a lot of things. We want to be, we want um, an escape. We want somebody to say, this is what the world is like. This is what human beings are like. Sometimes we want it to tell us how to live. Sometimes we just want it to show us what life is like. But I just think that's, that's a great question for a film to ask us. We have a podcast where we ask each other questions about film. We ask the film's questions all the time and see what they will reveal to us but here the film looks right at you and says what do you want from me and i think that's so profound plus tied in with the joke um where uh you know we talk about Chekhov's gun on the wall we have Chekhov's flash bulbs here you know here's how you can make a bright light if i'll signal with the flash bulbs and he uses the actual instrument of capturing people on film as a weapon to kind of to kind of defeat the monster at the end but i just think that's a great great profound question that 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 hitchcock's career answers and i think all the film answers. What do you want from me? And I, I think that that's revealing of the ending because, of course, Thorwald eventually lays hands on him and uh, manages to toss him out the window. You, you don't yeah. expect your hero to to go out the window. Um, and then, you know, of course, he ends up in the chair for an even longer time. And so, you know, I, I think that the standard release in a film, as you said, that the ultimate itch being scratched would be being released from the cast. But of, but of course, that's the reason that he's become a, a better person. And so he he's not sentenced to, to go back and, and shoot cars at the end. You know, he's sentenced to an even longer time in the chair to, to sit and be human. And be human with Grace Kelly, who has her different outfit on and pretend she's reading a book about the Himalayas until he drifts off and then she, she picks up Harper's Bazaar. I think in answer to your earlier question, I forget who who said it, but uh, he said a book is a mirror. You know, if, if an ape looks in, no apostle can look out. I think that's Nabokov said that. But that, but that's, I think, what is what is reflective in in the what do you want? And, and there's there's an element of self formation for, for the viewer there on the on the part of these these kinds of movies. Ultimately, I think that this movie is beautiful and and tender and entertaining. Um, and I I don't know another movie off the top of my head that has all three in such a in such balance as this one does. As you as you said. Because Mike, if you could stand at the bottom of the Hollywood sign and scream, I want a movie that is beautiful and meaningful and entertaining, right? Then the Hollywood then the giant Monty Python hand of God would, would just drop down a copy of your window. Well, it, it would because, you know, the, the best you can typically do is two out of three. You know, you can, ima you can imagine one uh, that's meaningful and, and, and entertaining you know, but it's, but it's lacking in other things. All right. So if you haven't seen Rear Window in a long time, it's worth checking out. If you'd like to be in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at 15MINFILM. You can email us at 15, spelled out 15 minute film at Gmail. Or if you so inclined, you can um, throw a buck or two at our Venmo account, which is 15 minute film spelled out at Venmo. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.